0: Log Talk Radio I am a- football show. I'm your host Chris Dietz. I'm still waiting on the Walrus. Um, We've had some uh, bad weather here in uh, in Connecticut, so uh, we're going to see if uh, the Walrus is going to make it down. Um, But if not, we're going to press on with the show. And um, of course, our show is brought to you on the KJC Radio Network, uh, live via Blog Talk Radio, you can also download us on iTunes, um, you can get us through the Google app, you can get us basically anywhere you can stream, um, anywhere you can stream audio from, you can pretty much get us that way, um. But the easiest way is just to go to Facebook, look for the Fit Down football show, like our page, and you will see um you know you'll you'll get our uh you'll get our, our posts and be able to click the link and easiest way to that's the easiest way to get get to our show. Um, but anyway so apparently there was a big game on Sunday. I don't know if, uh, I don't know how many of you caught caught up to uh, the Super Bowl, um, Super Bowl up in Minnesota. We had, um, you know, it, it pains me as a Cowboys fan to, um, you know, give any kind of, uh, props or any kind of respect to the Philadelphia Eagles, but they were able to beat the Patriots. And they, um, you know, even though the game, the score was kind of close, it kind of did not look as close as the score was to me watching the game. It looked like the Eagles were the better team the entire time Really, there was not a moment where I said, "Oh, the Patriots are looking like they're they're going to be able to um, to beat the Eagles." They they really did not. Um, they really didn't give me that that kind of feeling the entire game. Um, and so we're gonna we're gonna talk a lot about the Super Bowl in this episode, um, and. As soon as we exhaust the Super Bowl, we're gonna move right into my favorite discussion um, of any of any that we have, and that is um, that is the NFL draft. I am a total NFL draft junkie. I love the process. I love uh, everything that leads up to the draft. And then I love the draft itself. Um, seeing how how everybody plays out and um, what teams actually do, um, so we're gonna do we're gonna sum up the Super Bowl. We'll start the NFL draft, and then next week's show we will start with um, we will start with a a, a more a more team oriented um discussion of what should happen in the draft and free agency and all of that so we'll get into some some off-season profiles and for anybody that's out there um you know we're going to start we're obviously going to start at the top with the cleveland browns um i don't know how many i haven't broken it down as to how many shows we're going to have before the draft so I don't know how many teams we're actually going to get involved, but the what my goal is for the for NFL draft coverage is to get you, the fans, involved in the discussion. So when we're talking about the Cleveland Browns, I want to have a Cleveland Browns fan. I know, I know, some of you out there right now are like, yeah, try to find a Cleveland Browns fan. I know it's like looking for a unicorn or um, – uh, you know, I know, I but I, they do exist. So if you're listening to the show and you know a a Cleveland Browns fan or where I can find one, please, please, please hit me up on Facebook. Um, hit me up on Facebook and let me know how I can get in touch with that person because I want to get a fan's perspective of what the um. Uh, what they think their team needs, uh, where they think they should go in the draft, and it doesn't—it doesn't matter if you don't know a lot of the guys. We just really want to get a fan's view of your team. So when we're talking about the Giants, you know, we'll try to bring on a lot of Giants fans and get get their point of view as to where they think the Giants are going to go. When we're talking about the Indianapolis Colts, we'll get the Indianapolis Colts fans involved. And you know we'll we'll try to get try to get somebody in there, and we'll give you you know if you tell us hey our team we think our team needs a wide receiver we'll tell you you know we'll go into the guys we've been watching during the college year and and we'll we'll, we'll explain those to you so you can make a better um, decision, and then we'll let the fan make make we'll let the fan we'll let the fans make a make a pick um and we'll do a, our mock draft kind of that way so uh so those are the upcoming shows those should be pretty interesting um so that's the kind of that's the kind of show that we're going to have but for today we're going to look back and celebrate the uh, the Super Bowl and the season that was in the NFL and and college, um, you know, this is the end of the games. This is the you know, this is the end of of us of, of us watching football for the next um, for the next foreseeable future, and you know, un- until until next August when the games start. So. um, so we're going to we're going to take a look back and try to, you know, think back on on the memorable parts of this season that we get involved in. Um All right. So So anyway, that's where we're going to go. That's how that's how this is going to play out. And let's start with the Super Bowl. Let's start with um, I'm gonna say something right now. Uh, I'll, I'll save. I'll save my. I, the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl on Sunday made me say something I never thought. I never thought the words would come out of my mouth, and um, I, I'm gonna have to say it about the Super Bowl. But I'm gonna save that for. I'm gonna save that for later on when uh when we get to it but as far as as far as the game was concerned um i i i thought the first half went pretty much how how we thought how we thought the game was going to go um i really like i said i don't think the patriots really um ever took control of this game i think the eagles Pretty much came out, stuck it to the Patriots, and just kind of kept going. And the Patriots didn't seem to have an answer. Um, you know, you, you can compare when you when you compare the Patriots Super Bowl. You can compare, um, you know, the game last Sunday to the game a year ago. A, a year ago. The Patriots were getting blown out by Atlanta, but you saw moments where you said, all right, if the Patriots do this, this, and this, you know, they can get back in the game, and that's what happened. When I was watching the Eagles, I i, I didn't see that – I didn't see the Patriots having an answer for what the Eagles were doing um, to shut them down, and – the Patriots had no answer for stopping the Eagles' offense. That that was clear. Um, I think they held them to something like two punts the whole game. Uh, um, you know, so uh, the Patriots really didn't have a Patriot kind of performance. It wasn't something that I really thought that that that's how I would describe it. It's very un. It was very. Unpatriot like the fact that they had no answers for the Philadelphia defense and the Philadelphia and and the defense the Patriot defense had no clue what they were doing um, to, on the Eagles offense and and part of that is the Patriot players and part of it is the Eagles coaching was you know keeping everybody on their toes and I mean I, I think I think the 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 giveaway to the game was um was when garrett Blunt ran uh, garrett Blunt I believe it was the first time he touched the ball it was very it was very early in the game where he just rattled off like a twenty yard run and you could see that the Patriots had no answer for trying to stop the run and if you can't stop the run well now you. You know now you're taking guys out of the passing game to try to come down and and force them to throw. And Nick Foles was was on point, and the the Patriots didn't have a way to stop Alshon Jeffrey. They didn't have a way to stop Zach Ertz. They they just it seemed like Torrey Smith was all was was wide open all over the field, and uh, that was because the Patriots could not stop the run. They had to take guys out of pass coverage to protect against the run and it opened the, it opened them up and Philadelphia took took advantage of all of that and uh the Patriots pass rush couldn't get home it, it it really seemed like they really stuck it boom then you go on the offensive side of the ball with the Patriots uh I thought in the first half um they were kind of feeling things out the way the Patriots usually do um you know trying to trying to figure something out Gronkowski I know he was coming back from the concussion he did not look like the Gronkowski that we've known and and that New England fans love the dominating uh you know persona of 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 Rob Gronkowski but he um he didn't look himself and you have to go all the way back to the beginning of the season and going back to last year's Super Bowl, what was the big catalyst for the Patriots comeback? It was Julian Edelman. The Patriots did not have Julian Edelman this year. Well, um, they tried to get Brandon Cooks involved and Brandon Cooks I, I, I think Malcolm Jenkins almost killed him. I mean, it looked like Brandon it looked like Brandon Cooks died on the field. That that was how nasty of a hit it was, and 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 I don't I don't when I say nasty I don't mean dirty. It was not a dirty hit. It looks it was just a bang bang hit, and it it but it did look like Brandon Cooks died on the field. That, that though the minute it happened, I said oh he's not he's not getting up. So they did not have those go to guys that. That um, Tom, Br- you know, Tom Brady can't do everything himself. He obviously can't catch can't catch the ball. We saw that on the trick play. Um, so I'll get into that in a minute. But um, Tom Brady can't do everything by himself. He needs his guys and Gronkowski not being Gronkowski and Edelman. You know, he didn't have his security blanket in Edelman there. He, he, he yeah, he didn't have them all season, but still in a big game you look for guys like Julian Edelman to step up without having him. So they tried to get Brandon Cooks, the guy they traded for, to be that guy that stepped up, and he did not. Um, and once he was out, now you're down another weapon. So uh, the Patriots offense was just dropping like flies. Um, and and once once it got to the point where the Eagles knew – Excuse me. Where the Eagles knew they had the thing, they had the game under control. Then you saw the defensive line start to take over and the pass rush start to get to Brady. And um, so that was something that the Eagles definitely, definitely took advantage of, and um, the Patriots had no answer once they revved up that pass rush. So that's pretty much the game in a nutshell. Um, and pretty much my take on the game is that the Eagles dominated it. The Patriots did not play like the Patriots. And there's, I got a couple of theories on why. Well, and one of them I just gave you is the injury factor to the wide receiver not having a go to, um, positional guy for Brady. He didn't have a guy that, that could take over the game and, um, and that that really hurt them. So that's my theory. If you have a theory on on the Super Bowl, or you want to contact, if you want to call the show, um, obviously I'm still here by myself. So unless you want to hear me keep yapping the whole two hour show, which is not a problem, I've done it before. But I know you, if you're listening, if you're listening out there, I'm sure you want to hear somebody else's voice or get your voice involved. Well, the phone number to call is five one six four one eight five five seven three. And since I'm here by myself, not not that it would change if Walrus was here, but um, it, we take all callers. I don't really care what you want to talk about. If you want to call up and talk about, if you want to call up and talk about the Boston Celtics, I'll I'll talk to you about the Celtics. I'll talk to you about the Minnesota Timberwolves if you want. You know, I'm. I got the game on. I got the game on the TV right here. I also got the Bruins and the Rangers going on. So, um, if you want to talk any sport right now, if you want to talk any sport, definitely call the show. We'll we'll get into that. If you want to talk about anything else, you're more than welcome to bring up a topic. I'll I'll discuss it with you on the air. Not out of the realm of possibility. So, but that's where we sit. Now going back to the Super Bowl. All right, so to me, the turning point of the Super Bowl was when the Patriots tried to run that trick play where they, they ran a reverse, so they hand the ball off to the running back, I don't know, I think it was James White at the time, I'm I, it, to me, it doesn't, it doesn't make a difference. But he hands the ball to the running back. Brady hands the ball to the running back. Running back gives it to Danny Amendola on a reverse. And you think, all right, reverse. That's, you know, all right. And Danny Amendola decides to throw the ball to Tom Brady. Now, mind you, this is a 40-year-old Tom Brady. Running in the open field, anybody who's ever seen the NFL draft uh, scouting combine video of Tom Brady knows that when Tom Brady was a young buck, he was not a fluent runner at all. If you've ever watched that, that 40 yard, that 40 yard dash, it, it was a disaster. So he's not exactly a fast guy to begin with, but I think that's why the Eagles left him wide open, and if he caught that ball, he's probably still running right now. I mean, there was nobody within him or the end zone, and but when that happened, you saw that Tom Brady was 40 years old. That's when Tom Brady looked 40 years old. Um, And if if i've ever seen i mean he really didn't um up until that point you know we were all everybody was saying oh tom brady tom brady tom brady but um and um so it it, it was just it was just an awkward play and when it didn't work you kind of saw that. Um, you kind of saw that Tom Brady. You kind of saw that the Patriots had no answer for the Eagles, and they had to resort to doing that. Um, they had to resort to these trick kind of plays, and you know even those weren't working. So. It's an interesting, um, you know, to me that was kind of the turning point where I kind of said, "Uh oh, the Patriots are in trouble," and they're showing that they're in trouble. Um, so that's that to me is is where I thought the Super Bowl went, and where where I think it went off, um, you know, where it went off key for for the New England Patriots. Now, I've talked a lot about the New England Patriots because I picked the Patriots, Walrus picked the Eagles, and so he did win that part of the bet. We we did bet chicken wings, but we parlayed it. And this is where I'm going to say the words I never thought you would... I never thought I would say them. I never thought you would hear these words from anybody, let alone myself. So let me just say... Justin Timberlake saved my ass on on that on that bet. I was I was you know he saved me saved me face from not having to uh not having to bring the chicken wings and not tell Walrus that he won because again, anytime Walrus and I bet apparently we go with the parlay and we only we each only get half of it, so that seems to be how it works. Um, so that's how that's how we go. But I did bet just that Justin Timberlake would wear white shoes during his entrance, and let alone if he came in with the white Jordans on. And I cheered at the Super Bowl party because I had won my portion of the bet. Now it was up to New England to try to come back. Of course, that didn't happen. And now we have no chicken wings in the studio. So it is what it is. But I, I did. I never thought Justin Timberlake would ever save me, and he did. So I want to thank JT for that, for rocking out the white shoes. Fantastic move. Um But anyway, we move on. Um, So discussing the Super Bowl, I mean, what else is there to say? I mean, Nick Foles, uh, that's why I wish Walrus was here because Nick Foles is his guy, and I say that sarcastically. Um, At the beginning of the playoffs, the Walrus was overly critical of Nick Foles, and Nick Foles – Put all those uh, all those criticisms to rest with his performance. Um, you know, I I believe he threw for threw for four touchdowns. He caught a touchdown. They ran the same trick play the Patriots ran, except they ran it near the goal line, and it actually worked. So, you know, good for him. Good for Nick Foles. And Nick Foles goes from Super Bowl MVP to. Backing up Carson Wentz next year because you know he's not going to be a starting quarterback. Um, the question is: the question is, does Nick Foles want to be a starting quarterback? Um, we know he's happy in Philadelphia being the backup. He's said all the right things about you know wanting to continue to be the backup. But, but anyway, uh, but anyway, I digress. To I digress to talking about. What it is, I uh, just have to find. So again, the number is five one six four one eight five five seven three. If you want to, if you want to join the discussion, you know, we'll, we'll we'll take any any anything you want to talk about. You want to talk about the Super Bowl? You want to talk about the NFL draft? You want to talk about your team? You want to talk about your college team? It's all on the table. It's all on the table right now. Um, you know. Um. But anyway, so that that's my feelings on the Super Bowl. Um, I, I don't have a problem. Obviously, Nick Foles was the MVP. I don't think anybody can really, um. I. I. I I'm trying to um, trying to think of what where where anybody would have an argument for who else could have been the MVP of the Super Bowl. I'm gonna say um, I'm gonna I I, I I mean I don't think there's any argument against Nick Foles that is logical. It, it, Nick Foles was the MVP. He he did everything. He did everything right in that in that game, and he got the win. Maybe you could say the Eagles' defensive line, but that's not you know that's not a one player situation. And um. That's pretty much all I got. Uh, that's all I got on the Super Bowl. Um, it's one game. It, it, it happened. Here's the bigger issue I have with the Super Bowl. and I've been watching some of the coverage um, and I did not notice this on the, I did not notice this on the field. I, I mean, I didn't notice it as, as, in, as the reason. You noticed that the Patriots were getting torched. Here's what I want to know. I want to know. Apparently, Malcolm Butler did not play in the Super Bowl. Did not play one play. I want to know whose decision that was. I've heard three different stories that it was... um, I want to, I've heard that it was uh bill Belichick's decision I've heard that it was Malcolm uh that that it was that that it was Brown's decision I've heard that or uh, that it was Malcolm Butler's decision i'm also I've also been told that that something was happening outside of football and that he didn't want to bring it into the Super Bowl. I, if that's true, I want to know, was he on the sideline? Was he suited up? And we I haven't seen these, these questions answered yet. I have not seen... Um, I haven't seen anybody explain to me why he wasn't there. Now, the... I didn't want to bring my outside whatever into the Super Bowl. That does not vibe to me. That that to me sounds like a lie, it just outright something else. Something happened, and I, I hope nothing happened with this family. I hope everything is okay. But how can you sit there? If he was on the sideline, right? if he wasn't at the game, I understand. Like, all right, I have personal issues. I got it. I got it. You know. I got to go away. That's happened before. We saw that happen with Barrett Robbins and and the Raiders' situation. So we've seen that before. Um, But if he was at the game, I have no idea how he could not get on the field. I mean, if you're watching your team play the way the Patriots' defense was playing, they could not stop the Eagles. And their best defensive player, arguably Malcolm Butler, is their best defensive player, and he's sitting there on the sidelines with his helmet in his hand. That is not—that's not okay. I, I don't understand how. He, I mean, if I'm Stephon Gilmore and I'm getting my and I'm getting my ass handed to me by Alshon Jeffrey, wouldn't you go over to Malcolm Butler and say, "Hey, I know you got some shit going on." But get—we need you on the field. We need to win. We need to win this game. It's one game, you know. Always, always. I mean, everybody views stuff differently, and I mean, but sports has always been that position where you, you know, everybody's always said, you know, I've had, I've got tough things going on, but sports was able my one, my, my one. Sanctuary. It was my, my position. It was my ability to get out there and let everything go and just play the game, and it got everything back. I mean, go back to Brett Favre against the Raiders. Monday night, his dad died. You know, his dad died, I, I believe it was like that afternoon, his dad died. He goes out of the field and, and has an out-of-body experience against the, uh, against the Raiders, and he said that playing, was, that sitting out was not an option. You know, he had to play because it, it got him to focus on what was going on. So anyway, that to me uh, – so that situation is something that we need to monitor. We need to get on top of and figure out what was going on. Because if Bill Belichick decided uh, – you know, if Malcolm Butler did something during the week that Bill Belichick decided he did not want to let Malcolm Butler play then we need to know what that was. We need to know why he allowed. He didn't put Malcolm Butler on the field. If, if it was a personal issue, then we need to know. Uh, you know, we don't need to know what the personal issue was, but we need to know why couldn't you play? Like, why was it so debilitating? And, and we would rally around around him and say, "Yeah, I got you." You know, I, I go back to I'm a Celtics. I'm a Boston Celtics man. You go back to Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas is uh his sister dies. They have the. They're, they're going to have the funeral, and he's playing a basketball game. I mean, he played in a playoff game. Flew out the next day for the funeral. I mean, they, I, I understand shit happens and they, things things go wrong, but this is the Super Bowl. I, I don't know how anyone, any one of those Patriots on defense, couldn't go up to him and be like, God guy we're getting our ass kicked come help us we need you um so i'm just gonna i'm just gonna leave that where it is if anybody again if anybody has any information on that call the show if, if you think i'm talking crazy like i cuz it's not that i expect Malcolm Butler to be there but i i, I don't know how you could watch that I don't know how Malcolm Butler could sit there and watch his team just getting torched and not say all right, you know what? You guys are getting torched. I'm coming. I'm coming in and I'm going to save the day. I I I I would be stewing in myself. And I don't I don't I, it had to have been a team decision or or a Bill Belichick decision that forced Malcolm Butler to not play. But we're going to need more information on that to to make make a right judgment. Right now, I'm leaning towards it was a Bill Belichick decision not to play Malcolm Butler. And and until proven otherwise, I'm going to say that was a very bad decision on Bill Belichick's part. Um But there's probably more to come to that story. So we'll be, we'll be on top of it. We'll be on top of it here. We'll, we'll, we'll get, our, we'll get yeah. our sources. We'll get some sources on it and uh, try to figure out what happened to Malcolm Butler that caused him to um, miss an entire miss, – miss a Super Bowl. I mean, I, I, I don't understand. Again, I don't understand how he could not be on the field. doesn't make any sense. But all right, we spent the first 40 minutes of this show talking about the Super Bowl. I think we've exhausted every angle of the Super Bowl as far as the game goes. Here's the other problem I have with the Super Bowl. And this could just be me. I don't remember a single commercial from the Super Bowl. I know I watched the whole game. I don't remember – remember that Super Bowl commercial? There used, to be, there used to be, like, one that was really controversial or, you know, controversial to, you know, some of, of the people. I mean, I remember – remember the GoDaddy commercials? The GoDaddy commercials, you know, people were up in arms. Oh, they're too – they're too risque and blah, blah, blah. Okay, well, I, I still remember those commercials. I still remember Candace Michelle and those, in those commercials, so I, I, you know, this, this is years and years later, I still remember, I still remember it, this is, I'm talking days later, I don't remember a single commercial that was, you know, then you have ones that, like, you know, you have commercials that were outstandingly bad, I don't remember that, where are, what, what, what commercials, we're 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 good during the Super Bowl. Not one. I mean, when I was growing up and and this is going to be very um very um old man get off my lawn and back in my day we had, you know, we had to walk up we had to walk to school uphill both ways and blah 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 blah. But I'm going to go there. Back in the day we had the Bud Bowl. Does anybody else remember the Bud Bowl? Like Budweiser versus Bud Light. You had Bud Dry coming in as the quarterback. Like I still remember. I remember those, and I was like ten, and I still remember those commercials. I still remember all that stuff. Where was that during during the Super Bowl entertainment? Where where were the commercials that that made us laugh? That you know, Doritos was always good for. You know, they were usually good for a. A, a a a funny commercial or something that like you would watch and, and, and you you would be like what did I just watch? But you remembered the commercial. You remembered it. I don't think there's I don't think there was one. I can't remember. I can't remember any anything. So uh yeah so that was a big letdown. If you weren't watching the Super Bowl, you know, a lot of people do that and a lot of people watch the Super Bowl solely to watch the commercials because they don't care about football or they don't care about the teams involved. They just want to see the they just want to see the entertainment value. I I I think they they probably walked away with worse feeling than the Patriot fans did. Patriot fans were were crushed for losing the game, but people that were watching for the commercials I think they walked away with like they, they didn't walk away with Anything that that they could latch onto that that was that was a great commercial. Um, so that to me is a uh, a big failure on the part of of both NBC and um, the NFL. I mean that that's what's drawn, and and you want to say you know you want to say yeah the NFL, you know, it still, it still draws in a lot of people, but how do you, you know, that's what drew people, that's what drew the non-football fan into the Super Bowl, and I feel like those people got cheated this year, and it could be, you no, know, that could be a part of, you know, people not wanting to be a part associated with the NFL. It, we've seen it all year. We've seen ratings decline, we've seen interest decline, maybe people just phoned it in this year and said, you know what, we're just, we're not going to, we're not going to go for create, I mean, again, I'm I'm trying to come up with reasons why you would, reasons why the Super Bowl um, commercials were not the way they are. Um, but anyway, um, but anyway, let's go to so let's move let's move on let's move on to a, a discussion now of where this is the always the discussion after the Super Bowl where do we go from here. And I've seen discussions of, oh, this is the end of the Patriots' dynasty. This is, you know, this is doom and gloom, blah, 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 blah. And then I've seen it on the other end. Oh, this is the beginning of the Eagles' dynasty. They're built for the future. They've got so much going for them. All right. First off... um. First off, oh my god. Let's 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 back off. Let's pump the brakes a little bit. Let's pump the brakes on all of that discussion. Look, this game does not change pretty much anything. It doesn't change it doesn't change the way I feel about Tom Brady. Tom Brady is the greatest winning winner. Okay, in the Super Bowl era. He is the greatest winning quarterback in Super in the Super Bowl era. Okay? And you can say you can say, "Oh, Montana's better because Montana went was undefeated." Yeah, well, Tom Brady has double the appearances of Joe Montana. That's all you need to know about his Super Bowl record. Okay? That's all you need to know. You can call up and defend Joe Montana all you want and his undefeated and his you know passing records in the Super Bowl. Well, whatever you want to give to Joe Montana, I would. I'm gonna say right now, Tom Brady. There's no argument. Tom Brady is the winningest quarterback. He is the winningest quarterback, and I say that because when you say when people say, "Well, Tom Brady's the greatest," but no he's not the greatest quarterback okay he's the greatest winning quarterback and I would say Tom Brady is the smartest quarterback because hands down he I, it, hands down I would put him up there as the smartest quarterback but the, Tom Brady does not have the strongest arm he is not mobile he you know he has i, I it, it's between him and drew Brees as who has the quickest release as far as just release of the football can just flick it and and get it out of their hand that the that he might be the quickest he might he might be the quickest so that that might be one that he has at the top but again he's not the strong he doesn't have the strongest arm he does, he's not able to he's not able to move outside the pocket um if you get in his face he he's not going to be able he's not going to be able to get um get thing he's not going to be able to overcome guys in his face so let's just so let's just let that settle but losing to the eagles did not change my feeling about Tom Brady it did not all of a sudden make me say oh man well Tom, Tom Brady's going to drop in in the in the rankings of quarterbacks who have won, who have played in the Super Bowl, that that's not that's not going to happen because of that, Alright? It didn't make me say, well, Tom, there's something about Tom Brady that's not right that that's going to fall off. That's all of a sudden going to just make him make, make next year he's going to drop off the cliff. That that that's not going to happen. Okay, you got to remember the Patriots are built they're, they're built around Tom Brady as long as Tom Brady's still there, the dynasty is still intact a loss to the Eagles is not going to crush what the Patriots have, plus they get Edelman back, plus they get you know, they, they have all their their other weapons and we'll talk about one of their weapons who might, might not be back has, has hinted that he might not be back and but again, they they've lived without they've lived without him before, so it's not it's not a total disaster if he decides to walk away. Um. So we'll get into we'll get into that we'll get into their coordinator issues. Um. The, obviously they're losing Patricia, but i I've heard of his, i've heard his of who who his replacement is, and. Is rep- the replacement for Patricia is not 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 the worst not the worst thing in the world. It's actually a very good fit for uh, for Bill Belichick and his defense. So we'll get into all that. So, but my point is, the dynasty of the Patriots is not over. It, they're not all of a sudden just going to fall off the map. It's not over until Bill and Brady decide they don't want to be there anymore, and that's that's the end. That's the end of that discussion. There, there's no answer that people can can give that says, "Oh, the Patriots dynasty is over." It, it's not over. They're they're going to come back next year and be at least at least top three of of chances to to be back in the Super Bowl. Okay? The, the, that's just how the Patriots are. That's the way they are. As long as Brady is there, they are they their top three choice. Maybe even maybe even number one at, at making it. And I say that to segue into the the other part of this equation. The Eagles. Let's pump the brakes on this is the start of the Eagles' dynasty. It's one win. It's one. They, they've won one. Awesome. They got their first win. They got their first Super Bowl win ever. Enjoy that ride. Enjoy that ride, and don't try to project it into, we're going to be a dynasty for the next however many years to come, because we've seen teams win one and fall apart. We've seen teams win one and... Completely disband the next, the next year they bring the same crew back and it just, the magic's just not there. So when you win one, you have to be able to give the next. You know, let, let's let's wait until they get to to a, a, at least back into the playoffs next year and maybe back to the Super Bowl. Now, if they get back to the Super Bowl next year, I will I will admit on this show that yes. They are starting their dynasty, but anything short of that and any and and the reason I say the Patriots are probably the favorites because the, the Patriots are, are in the AFC. Who else is challenging them in the AFC right now? You, you, you can't really name anybody who has a, a legit shot. At challenging the Patriots when you look at the NFC you have a very good roster in Minnesota you have a you have Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay if they ever figure out how to sign free agents and how to bring talent around Aaron Rodgers the, the Packers the Packers are going to be back um, you as far as sounding like a homer, you've got the Dallas Cowboys, a young nucleus. You know, if they figure, if they figure out how to how to not get suspended in the off season, if they figure out how to keep Ezekiel Elliott from not getting suspended, they they have they have the ability to challenge. So. Um, so I don't want to sit here and and, and get all doom and gloom on Phil- and, and rain on Philadelphia's parade. That's not that's not what I'm trying to do. What I'm trying to say is enjoy this moment right now. You are the best, you know, Philadelphia Eagles fans. And uh, I only really know one, so I'm going to call him out by name. Um, Lavaza, you're my you're my go-to on the Eagles, and you're the guy that I um, you know, I, I pretty much. You're, you're the guy. You're the guy. You're my go-to on on all things Eagles. So I'm speaking kind of directly to you. Enjoy this victory. Enjoy it for what it is. Don't try to project it into the future because it's only only going to get bad for you. It's only going to end badly if they it, it, unless you go on a a three-peat run or some kind of crazy um, – you have some kind of crazy deal where you're getting a bunch of Super Bowls in a row, that's what's going to happen. And I- I'm so so. I'm saying enjoy it. And speaking of enjoying – wow, I- I'm doing pretty good on segways here because let's get to enjoying the victory, okay? What the hell is going on in Philadelphia? I mean I I, I kinda understand I, I, I never underst- I never fully understand burning you know, trashing your city because you won a championship. That I have no I I, I, I have no idea. Like what well, what what are you thinking? What were they what were those those people thinking? We won the Super Bowl, let's burn cars, let's flip cars in the middle of the street. Like what what is wrong with people? What seriously, what is wrong with with people where you won the game? Why are you burning your city down? Like what 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 in what world does that make sense? Like I kind of get like if you lose a close game and you get up and you know people get upset and they start throw- you know and, and you throw and you throw some stuff like maybe you knock some trash cans over or, or something like I get it you were frustrated i that i i can be like all right you you had some frustration, you guys let it out all right, but you won you won the game. Why are you burning your city down again? Does, does anyone if anyone has an answer for why burning a city down is a good idea i mean even even if you lost still burning things is <laughs> burning things in your city is not a good idea it is not a way to celebrate it's not the way you go about that so um. That that's all I can that's all I can say about that. And I, I think the parade is tomorrow. Let's just hope that there's some kind of resemblance of the city left for them to have a parade. And let's hope that the parade is a little more civil than what we saw on Monday morning and uh, Sunday night. Monday morning, like I, I just I just have such a problem with. It's not a problem. It's not a problem. It's not a problem for me. I don't live in Philadelphia, so I really don't care. But um, you know, just to see people and how they react to what should have been a glorious moment, like shoot confetti all over the city, like have a party, like why do you have to burn? Why do you have to burn and flip things over? Like that, that doesn't make any sense to me. And I can say this from firsthand knowledge of being in uh, when I was in when I was uh, at Springfield College in 2001 or no in in 2005. You know, obviously being in Massachusetts, you got you know Redskin the the Red Sox beat the Yankees. You know, then they had their massive comeback, and and then you hear wake up the next morning and you hear stories of like of UMass of UMass Amherst where they were just burning couches and throwing them out their windows and people were going crazy like I I I never understood that. I just sat there and laughed at those people like what or what is wrong with you? Where you thought this was a great idea. This is a great idea. We won. So let's burn our stuff and throw it at other people. Like what <laughs> How is that helpful? How is that a good idea? Um, again, if you have it not, if, if you want to say that's a good idea, or you want to, you want to, you want to come back on me on this, feel free to call the show. I'll gladly talk to you about and tell you why burning things is not a good idea. If you, especially if you won, but anyway. Um, on that note, um, you know we're an hour into the show. We've discussed all things Super Bowl. Let's talk about some of the downfall of after the Super Bowl. So here's what I don't get. I'll give you another thing I don't understand. And granted, I have—I mean, since the Super Bowl, I have been working. I have been working a lot of hours. Been lo- i have been logging a lot of hours at work. So um. You know, I I I see, I see the things they talk about on 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 the air. I don't I don't get to hear them, uh, I don't get to hear them, because I'm I'm you know I'm I'm in the restaurant and I'm I'm either cooking in the kitchen or, you know, I'm sitting there watching watching the um, watching the TV. After work, waiting for the bus, I'm usually sitting there watching the TV, so I don't get to hear what they're saying but I get to see the little topics. And one of the topics is I saw today was the erosion of, of Josh McDaniels. Apparently, because Josh McDaniels turned down the Colts' offer, because he did not want to coach the Indianapolis Colts, and I got a message on... I got a message on uh, on my tablet about an article about how because Josh McDaniels turned down the Colts job, he is no longer fit for any other NFL team except for the New England Patriots. And you know that might be true. That might that might be true. And that might be that's probably why he turned it down because he said, you know what, if I stay here in New England, I have a better shot of taking over when Bill Belichick decides to hang it up because let me just tell you that this is no um, this this is this, this is this is not news to anybody, but Josh McDaniels is younger than Bill Belichick. So at some point Bill Belichick is going to decide I no longer want to coach the New England Patriots. And at that point Josh McDaniels will still be there, and he'll still have an amazing offense. He'll still have a lot of those numbers, all the the offensive numbers. This, this isn't a guy who's waiting for his first opportunity. You know, Josh McDaniels is a guy. He coached in Denver. He made some dumb mistakes in Denver. We've talked about it before on this show. How they got caught. I, I, I they got caught cheating. <laughs> you know. Just it's kind of the patriot way, um, down in down in Denver. But what, but what I'm trying to say is, it's not like he's a guy who's sitting there saying, you know what? He's proud this is what Josh McDaniels is probably saying. Do I have a better outlook? Stay here in New England and take over the takeover when Bill Belichick decides to hang it up. Or do I have a better job, you know, is my future brighter if I take the Colts job? His future is brighter as the offensive coordinator of New England. He goes to Indianapolis. If it doesn't work, he's fired in two years. He's going to make it maybe two and a half years. You have Andrew Luck and, and nothing else. And Andrew Luck, we don't even know what Andrew Luck is. We don't even know if his shoulder can lift the football right now. We don't even know, and the owner is was talking bad about him. We don't even know if if Andrew Luck wants to finish his career, you know, wants to stay in Indianapolis. He might, we might be thinking, I want to get the hell out of here. So, I mean, these are things that that you have to think about, and 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 I've been watching. I, I watched I watched the show on the NFL Network where they just sat there and talked about. What are the prospects for Josh McDaniel? For Josh McDaniels the prospects are if I stay here and I coach this I coach this offense really well, well they're gonna make me the head coach at some point. That's all that's all that that's all this is about. It's not about oh I, I he didn't wanna go to Indianapolis or he didn't want didn't want more money or Anything. it was what is the best opportunity and the best opportunity for the best opportunity for Josh McDaniels is to stay in New England and eventually become the head coach of the New England Patriots. That's that's kind of that's kind of what, what his idea is. Now on the other side of the New England, on the other side of the ball, Matt Patricia He's decided he's going to go to Detroit again. Matt, Patricia, this is his first job, so him getting offered the job is a different—it's a different story than Josh McDaniels. It's a different—it's um, a different take because this is his first job. You know, this is his first crack at being a head coach. <laughs> And he's got some good pieces in. He's got some good pieces in um, in Detroit that he can work with. So we'll see. We'll see how that that plays out for him in Detroit. But um. And speaking of the Detroit Lions, uh, Walrus sent me a link earlier in the week to a story that they have said they will retain. Coach Jim Bob, so this show will be exponentially better because we will still be able to talk about Coach Cooter, and you know how much we love to talk about Coach Cooter on this show. So that was a, a very good a very good decision for us. And, you know, I, I don't I, – it's probably the best deal because he's – Coach Cooter has worked with Matt Stafford for a long time. So it's you know. So there's not much to really break down about about that decision. It was probably the most logical thing that they could do. And um I I think Matt Patricia will do just fine in Detroit, you know. Um again, we talked about how stacked the NFC is and especially the NFC North, you know, that that's such a tough division. Um. And and the Lions have always been like right there, but you know you have to deal with Minnesota. You have to deal with um, with uh, with Aaron Rodgers, and um, you know we'll see what happens in Chicago. Chicago is a mess, but you know they they've got Trubisky, and we'll see what what he turns out to be. But you know, but as far as from Patricia's point of view, it's his first job. That's his, This is his first job. This is how you get your first job. You you get you don't you don't get your first job as a team that's going to take over. You know that's gonna just all of a sudden dominate the league. That that's not how your first job works. I mean, Bill Belichick's first job was the Cleveland Browns. So let let's just and and. I mean, we can, we can all look back on how, how that worked out for that. But Matt Patricia is leaving, and from the rumors that I've heard, the rumors that I've heard are that Greg Schiano, who was the defensive coordinator um, at Ohio State last year, and he is a good friend of Bill Belichick's, So it makes obvious sense for him to uh, go into. um, Makes obvious sense for him to take the job of defensive coordinator with his buddy. Um, Now again, Greg Schiano, NFL experience of head coach at Tampa Bay. Um, You know he was a defensive coordinator. He's he's been a defensive coordinator in college all. He was a linebackers coach at Penn State when they were when they were linebacker U. I mean, he's a he, he was a defensive coordinator in Miami. So he he he's done, done and and he was with the Miami team the the teams that built the that that rebuilt the U. That that was his that was that was his that was his baby that was his that was his team and um other you know so the greg Schiano fit would be would be a perfect storm and while uh, we've talked about greg Schiano on this show in terms of you know how he got treated by the university of tennessee well this is the nfl they're not going to care much about uh all of that and Act, act, act the way uh, te- the Tennessee fan base acted at uh, the prospects of Greg Schiano coming into their into their team. I think te- I think people in New England will be very happy with Greg Schiano um, running their defense. Um, so that's that's the coaching that's the coaching aspect of what's going on, and um, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of where I'm going to leave the Super Bowl talk, I I think, I think we've exhausted the Super Bowl for right now, Um, again, if you think I missed something, or uh, you want to comment, feel free to call the show, feel free to drop me a line on Facebook, you know. Uh, I'll, I'll always put I'll always put your thoughts out there, um, you know. But I'm gonna segue into my favorite time of year, and that is the NFL draft. I love the NFL draft. I I, I get so into it. I get so into the into the draft prep. Um, I was I was all over the Senior Bowl. I. I I I was um uh, I'm I'm awaiting the uh, uh the name of it um no the the east west I'm I'm awaiting the east west shrine game I I love I love that I I love that whole pro I love the whole process I love the scouting combine I'm one of those idiots that watches everything at the scouting combine except for the forty yard dash like. My one quarrel with the NFL draft is they put so much focus on the 40-yard dash. The 40-yard dash is really just a TV thing. Like, it really means nothing. It means nothing to anyone except for maybe a cor- maybe corners and wide receivers. And that's, that's about it. Maybe running backs a little bit, but otherwise it really makes no difference to anyone. What I watch for in... What I watch for in the NFL in the, in the scouting combine is I watch I watch the drill. I like the drills. I, I love as as an ex coach and as as somebody who wants to get back into coaching, I watch for the drills. I I watch to see what what they're looking at, what the coaches are looking for when they do that drill. What do they want to see? What you know? And then I love watching guys. Not really guys, you know. Not really watching guys screw up, but I love watching a guy come on, Monquist. You gotta make that save. Alright, sorry, I got the Rangers game on and Monquist just got beat five hole. Like, how does that happen? Um, anyway. But, you know, not a guy messing up, but more of a guy I, I like watching a guy do the drill and you know, maybe the coaches don't see what they, oh, yeah, we got, oh, no, is he offside? Ooh, that's going to be a tough call. Um, um, Here's, so, anyway, I like watching guys make the play, you know, they do the drill, and the, the coaches don't see what they're trying to get out of the drill, so they go, they, they talk to the guy, they say, hey, you know, go again. We want to see more. We want to see more hit movement. We want to see more of you changing direction. And, and then the guy goes back, and you can see whether that guy is coachable. Whether, you know, that's how you get to know what what kind of a player you're getting from that. Um, so, I I really enjoy that aspect of the combine more than I enjoy. Just watching a guy run a forty-yard dash. In the forty, in the forty-yard dash, what I and we'll get into that. We'll get into this more when the scouting combine takes place uh, later on. I think it's later on in. Feu- I think it's the last week of February. Um, but when the scouting, go- we'll we'll talk more about this. But what I look for in the in the forty is I look for that five-yard to fifteen yards. How do they not necessarily how do they get out of the stance because, you know a lot of these guys are trap guys. They know you know, they know how to they know how to start fast. What I look for is I look for that all right, when do they hit top speed and how long do they keep that top speed for? Because that's that's the important part of football is how long does it take, take you to get to top speed? Does it really matter if a guy is 300 pounds playing offensive tackle, if he can, get, if he can run a 40-yard dash? No, it doesn't, it doesn't make a difference. But what I want to know is how fast does he move? How fast can he move his feet? Can he move his feet fast enough to be a, an edge rusher? You know, can he meet an edge rusher and, get, and be, be able to, to slide out? Can he, when he's pull, when we ask him to pull, what is going to, how is that, how is that going to happen? How, how is he going to pull? Does he look like an athlete? that's that's what you want to know. That's what you want to know more than this guy can run 40 yards at, at a fast rate. That, that does not matter. But what matters to me is that five, five to 15 yard range where you can see, all right, this guy's at top speed. Now what happens? And that's, that's, that that to me is is more important in the draft process than the than the number or the time the time that he finished. That's a nice save. All right. Um. All right, but so I'm gonna go through some positions here. Um. I got my big board out. My big board. It, I, I I have to update it. Obviously, I have to update it because I don't have um some of the guys who have declared, some of the guys have not, I have to drop, you know, some of the guys have decided to go back to school. So I have to, you know, re re reevaluate their circumstances. Guys like Christian Wilkins, who is defensive tackle from Clemson, who decided he wanted to go back. But I'm going to go through a little bit of my draft board and, you know, that's how we're going to finish the show. Um, that's how we're going to finish the show today, give you all all that information. And like I said, next week we are going to get into more team-specific. Um, I've got to take a look at how many shows we have until the draft to decide, you know, how many teams are we going to talk about? Are we going to do two teams a night? Are we going to do three teams? How are we going to play it out um, before the draft? That I will decide. Um, during the week, we'll, we'll decide on that. and We'll figure it out. But um, you know we're going to start with the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns have number one and number four. So we'll decide on what we want to do. Um, we're going to try to find a Cleveland Browns fan. Again, if you know a Cleveland Browns fan, please, please, please let me know. I will get in touch with them. I want them to get in touch with this show. Because our show is for the fans. Our show, is, our show is to get you guys to get not only listen to, not only listen to me and not only listen to Walrus when he's here, but to have you guys give us feedback and you guys let us know what, um, what you guys want to do, what, what you guys want out of your team. That's why we do this show. We do it for you. We do it for your voice. We want you to voice your opinion. Yeah. You know, a lot of people do sports shows and they don't want they don't want they don't want the fans involved. They they want to just get their own message out. That's not that's not this show. That's not what I do. That's not how I I, I know what I think. I and I enjoy telling people what I think. I enjoy telling Telling you, you know, what I think teams should do, what I think should happen. But I'm more interested in what other people are thinking, what other people want to uh, see out of out of the NFL draft, what what people saw out of their team. Because a lot of a lot of you guys are into your teams, you guys are into your teams a lot more than I'm into your team. So you can give me a better insight to all right what what does this team need or what direction do you think this team is going in you guys have more boots on the ground feel than i do sitting here in my living room and you know trying to decipher what is going on but anyway so on my big board my top player my top player is Saquon Barkley. I truly believe that Saquon Barkley is the is the game changer in this draft. I think he he can be and the way the NFL is going a lot of people are saying the running back is not important or you no know, you can find someone and plug them in at running back. That is true for a a true dead set sitting back there and and you know carrying the ball five or six times. Oh my god! All right, I gotta I gotta stop watching this game. This is terrible. All right, this this is god awful. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go to the event. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna put the Avengers on because this way I'm keep myself from getting way too upset over how much the Rangers stink. But anyway but anyway, that's, that's more of a topic for Tuesday night with Kim and Jimmy, um, right here on KJC, nine to 11, stay out of my crease, that, that's their deal, that, their dude, they do the hockey, you know, I just call, I just call them and, and bitch about my Rangers and how much they stink, so, but if you want to get your hockey fixed, go, go listen, go listen to Kim and Jimmy, um, Again, they do great shows. Again, if you go on Blog Talk and you go on the KJC radio page, you'll see all, you'll see Fit Down shows, you'll see Stay Out of My Crease, you'll see Talk Therapy. Um, So, you know, you can find all of our shows archived there. You can always get them uh, and listen to them, download them to your phone and listen to them, you know. Another top, listen to him anytime you want. I, I, I'm telling you, it's a great thing. I do it at, I do it at work all the time. I got, I got shows playing in my ear that, you know, happened like three weeks ago. But you know what? But anyway, so I was talking about the running back and how it's been diminished. But Saquon Barkley's more than that. Saquon Barkley is a guy you can give the ball to as a running back, and you can also throw it to him. He can kick return. He can do a lot of different things for your team that some of these guys can't do. And I'm I'm just going to use this guy as an as an example. Um, Bryce Bryce Love, the guy the guy behind him in the running back category, he's more of just a straight runner. He he's not really a route runner, not really a pass catcher. So that's the kind of guy. That you're thinking of, like, all right, this is a guy who's just going to plug in at running back. Saquon Barkley can do a lot more than just hand him the ball and run. He can he can run routes. He can he can line up as a wing as a wing back and you know sneak out sneak out into the passing routes. So so I'm going to say I, I've got Saquon as my number one pick because I believe that he can be the game changer that you need. Quarterback. Quarterback is a tough decision. I've got Josh Rosen as number two on my big board and number one at quarterback as far as prospect is concerned. Um, You know, I'm I'm trying to think of, you know, Sam Darnold, Sam Darnold has declared. I'm trying to think of if Sam Darnold's season this year has diminished him enough to where he's below Josh Rosen or if he's right there. Um, I think both guys have flaws. Both guys have flaws. Uh, I, I'm tempted to put Sam Darnold in there because uh, I had Sam Darnold last year. If Sam Darnold had come out last year, he would have been the number one pick. Um so I'm questioning whether to move Sam Darnold there or keep him right below Josh Rosen at number two on my quarterback list. But they're right, they're right there neck and neck. Um, and as far as the third quarterback, I, I, I think it's a very drastic drop from those two to the next, to the next quarterback. Um, my number three quarterback is Lamar Jackson. And he's all the way down at 18 on my board. And then we talked about this guy last week uh, when we were talking senior bowl. Um, my fourth quarterback is Mason Rudolph. Um, I, 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 Walrus said, you know, I can't believe that he's, you know, really far down. He's down on some people's boards very far. And I, 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 I can, I can see where they would do that because they have Josh Allen so high up i i am not a big fan of josh allen i actually have him all the way down at 99 on my board um which is below a lot of other quarterbacks um which has josh allen uh the quarterback from wyoming i mean i'm just trying to go through all the other quarterbacks that i have on this list um and I have him below guys like Luke Falk, um Baker Mayfield, um I have I have Josh Stidham from Auburn up there. So um I have I have Josh Allen below uh, Josh Allen right below um Clayton Thorson who is the quarterback of um
1: of Northwestern.
0: So um, you know, I have them. I'm just trying to count the number of quarterbacks there. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I have them as my ninth quarterback. Josh, that's Josh Allen. But I have Mason Rudolph as my fourth. I do like Mason Rudolph. I think in the offense that he played in, decision-making was important. Um, and I think he can be a better um a better pro because of it. Alright. So that's there. Again, Saquon Barkley at the top. This is a my my third guy on my list is another guy a lot of people are down on. And and I'm gonna have to figure out why the, why people are so down on on this guy. And that's Orlando Brown, um offensive tackle from Oklahoma. I really in I really think he could be the steal of the draft. I think he could be the steal at the top of the draft. Um I think he's the best ta- best offensive lineman in in, in the draft. I uh, I think I think watching his tape at Oklahoma, he was clearly the better the best offensive lineman they had and that was a, a, a monster of an offense and he dominated the Ohio State game. Orlando Brown kept Ohio, whoever Ohio State lined up across from he kept them at bay. Um, and that Ohio State defensive line is full of guys who are very good at rushing the passer and will be high picks in the NFL, um, not just this year but next year. Um, and, and he was able to keep them – keep keep them uh at bay so that's where I'm going with my top line offensive lineman oh yeah that was a that was a decent decent burp right there um all right let's uh defensive Defensive-wise, the fourth best number four is when we start to go to defense um when we start to go go with the defense from the draft, and there's a lot of defenders I have up in the top 10, but I'm going to go with the best, uh, I'm going to go with Bradley Chubb, and you want to watch Bradley Chubb, you want to get a good idea of Bradley Chubb, watch the Florida State game, Bradley Chubb took over that game, and um, yeah, a lot of people are going to say, oh, he's, He's 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 a troublemaker because he spit on the Florida State uh, Seminole and whatever whatever. I don't care about I don't care about any of that stuff. Like all that all that tells me is that he's an excitable guy. You can get him riled up. I'm not too sh- I'm not too mad about it. I'm not gonna lie to you. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie to you. I don't mind a guy doing <laughs> that kind of stuff like. That that stuff does not bother me, and wouldn't bother me in making a draft pick of Bradley Chubb. I think Bradley Chubb is a very, very, very good pass rusher and will be in the NFL. Number five, I got my best defensive back. Now the the problem with this guy at number five, I, I've got I've got Minka Fitzpatrick, cornerback uh, from Alabama. The problem with of Fitzpatrick, is he really does not have, he doesn't, doesn't really have a position. He, you know, he's not the best corner. He's not the best safety. But he can play both positions. And you can put him in, and I would say you could probably put him in You can probably put him in. Um, you can probably plug him in in, in at, at a uh, at a nickel at a nickel spot, and, and he'll be and he'll be really good. And that's what you really need in this day, day and age of the NFL. You need a great nickel corner who can not only play you know, play pass coverage but can also um, help you stop the run. So, you're not losing much by putting a nickel guy in. You're not losing that defensive edge. So, I got major Fitzpatrick. Number six, I got an interior lineman. Uh, Mike Mike McGlinchey. Mike McGlinchey, he um, played a little bit of tackle. He'll probably play a little bit of guard. Um, you know, this is a Notre Dame guy who, um, no, he's a big, big dude. Um I think, I think he'll he'll be a very good player at the you offensive. Know, number seven, Deron Payne. Anybody who saw the national championship, uh, not the national championship, the the game against Clemson knows Deron Payne. All right, Deron Payne is the guy who made the interception. Um, he intercepted uh, Kelly Bryant's pass, so you know he's got athleticism. He caught a touchdown in the game. Um, He's def- he he's my my favorite interior lineman on defense. Uh, I got him at seven. Number eight is a very is a guy who we're gonna have to look at the process. We're gonna have to look at the process on on Durwin James. Again, Derwin James, he's my top so – If you're looking for just a pure safety, Derwin James is your guy. Um, the problem is he didn't play in the Independence Bowl he's getting ready for the draft, um, you know we have to see how he nails the process. If he nails the process, he'll stay there. If he's sluggish or doesn't doesn't perform well, then then you're asking for trouble, okay? Then he could fall. He could. He's a guy who could fall. Number nine on my list. I've got I've got Calvin Ridley, wide receiver from Alabama. Again, he's not the biggest guy. He's not he's not um, he's not the biggest wide receiver, but he makes plays. He knows how to get open. He knows how to run after the catch. He's a and and you need those guys in the NFL. We're seeing the NFL move from the big throw you know just throw the ball up there and hope your guy can can out jump somebody. We're seeing that kind of receiver kind of getting pushed to the wayside in in and we're seeing a lot more slot guys that can line up anywhere on the field and run a 5-yard hitch, catch the ball and be able to make guys miss and and figure it out from there. So Calvin Ridley to me is the best of that group at being able to do that. That's why I think he's he's a, he'll be the first wide receiver taken um, in the draft, number ten. Number ten on my list is a guy I've been I've been on all season. I, I've been all about this guy. I I have told you, I told you after the Ohio State after the Ohio State game, this guy played. I said this guy is the best player, um, uh, by far the best defensive back in the country, um. And he's definitely the best pure corner. There's there's no uh, no question about that for me. Um, but Josh Jackson, cornerback of Iowa. Again, we get Iowa on this show. We we talk about Iowa. We talk more Iowa than they. We talk more about Iowa than they do on shows in Des Moines. All right, that's how much we talk about Iowa. But Josh Jackson is the real deal. He's the real deal at corner. I truly believe that he's one of the best. All right. Moving on. 11, I got Arden Key. Another guy, tough because he was suspended and injured at the beginning of the year. He really caught on late. Um, It'll be interesting to see what they use him as in in the – be interesting to see what what they use him as in the nfl will he be a linebacker will he be a defensive end um those are the kinds of things that you're going to have to figure out with him but if he can nail the process down he'll be a little bit he'll be on on a good on a good um on a good trajectory And, and he's got the skills to do both so i'm gonna i'm gonna say that um Number twelve, we go with our first true interior lineman and um, these guys aren't usually drafted too high, but they're so important to a team. A guard guards and centers never get the respect that an offense that, that the left tackle is gonna get. Okay, the left tackle is your best pass blocker, your best usually your best lineman. But you need those guys in the middle to be able to handle, you know, blitz pickup. You need the guys in the middle to be able to to get those double team blocks and be able to figure all that stuff out. So so people like to neglect the middle of the line, but it's so very important. And Quentin Nelson, guard from Notre Dame, is probably your best interior lineman that you have on the offensive side of the ball. So, um, that's where I'm going at 12, 13. I got Cortland Courtland Sutton, um, wide receiver from SMU. He's a guy that a lot of people probably don't know because they didn't see, didn't watch a lot of SMU this year. But he is that that guy I was talking about before. He's a big, uh, I believe he's six three, six four somewhere on there. He's a big dude, and uh, you know. He's got the ability to make those kinds of catches and make those kinds of plays. So, um, I so I've got him at thirteen. At fourteen, I've got probably my steal of the draft. This guy proved in in both the in both the, the in both playoff games the role, the. I think it was the Rose Bowl, the Rose Bowl, and the, um, and the national championship game. Roquan Smith, had Georgia won, Roquan Smith is probably the MVP of, of that game. And no doubt the MVP of the team. So um, I've got him at 14, the linebacker from Georgia. He's he's my he's kind of my dark horse of where is that guy going to go? Um, and I I think any team would be glad to have him not only on the field but in the locker room. Uh, Roquan Smith will be will be a a, a big asset. You know I don't want to pu- I don't want to I don't want to put that kind of pressure on him to say you know he's going to be a Ray Lewis. You know, kind of motivator in the locker room. That's too much pressure for a young, you know, for a young kid to come into. But I think he has that kind of potential to be uh, a Ray Lewis type leader, um, both on the field and in the locker room. So, fifteen. I've got James Washington, wide receiver from Oklahoma State. James Washington, I've said. He's he's another one of these guys. I think he's like six foot six, maybe six one. Not really that big of a wide receiver, but he gets open, man. Man, he anytime you watch Oklahoma State Tate, this guy is wide open. I mean, he doesn't, and it's not just because he's running past everybody. I mean, he can do that. He can do that with the best of them. He can run right by you. But he's also such a good route runner that. You you look at his tape and he is just wide open, <laughs> like, and that's important to, you know, that's important in the NFL because you you have to be able to recognize zones, recognize where you're supposed to go. That that's how the NFL passing game works. It's not, hey, go up and run your one route. It's it's usually. Usually, the way the NFL works is: all right, hey, if we get zone, you're going to run this play. If you get man coverage, you're going to do this, and that's what. Um, so that's what you need your receiver to understand. It's not the Randy Moss: hey, we're just run a streak every play because you can't do anything else. Um, you know, the NFL is becoming a league of: all right, hey, if they're dropping into zone, you need to you need to cut your route and drag across the middle. Excuse me. You need to drag or, hey, you're in man coverage, run by them, and if they drop out, just stop. That they, that's, They're giving the options to the wide receivers and the quarterbacks um, a lot more. So you need a guy who is a great route runner and not just a great catcher of the football, which James Washington, I think, is booked. Alright, the next guy I, I I don't even I I'm not even gonna try. I mean I, I I am gonna try, but I'm not gonna be too worried if I mess this up. So Abonia or Kenqua. Defensive end from Oklahoma. Go back I, I know we've talked on this show, you know, big twelve defense is optional. This guy is a is a pass rusher. That's what he can do. He does it. I, I, he's one of the best pass rushers in the draft. So I've got him at 16. I talked about Bryce Love before. Bryce Love is a fantastic running back from Stanford. Um, I think he, he can be a playmaker. Uh, I, he's not the Saquon Barkley type playmaker, but he is a playmaker. So I've got him at 17. 18, I've got Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson, Heisman winner, two—not last year, but the year before. Um, You know, a lot—a lot is going to be made about Lamar Jackson. Um, You know, he's going to blow everybody away at the combine. Let's just get that. Let's just get that squared away right now. He's going to blow you away with his physical tools. He is faster than anybody. He is. He has a strong arm. Um, everybody, everybody that said anything about um, Lamar Jackson has said he probably had a better passing year last year than he did in his Heisman year, and that's because he was making the right decisions, making uh, making better better decisions with the football, and not just relying on his athleticism. And that's that's what's gonna be key for Lamar Jackson is do we see him um, getting a better? Um, that's something we're not going to be able. You know, we're not going to be able to see that until until he's on the field. But his talent is so high, you have to keep him in the top twenty. I got him at eighteen. All right, we've talked about we talked about Michigan on this team, Maurice Hurst defensive tackle from Michigan he's a big dude all right go watch the Florida tape he dominated the floor you know that first game he's a guy he's a guy I would take on the defensive line on, on any defensive line um my number 20 guy is Darius geis who is a running back from lSU um as far as um I, again, people have said the decline in the running back. I think the running back is making a comeback. I think I think the the importance of a running back. It it, it it's not that the running the it's not the running game. It's everything else that you can do, and we see we see the we see team teams that have that get their running back involved, those are the teams that that usually do pretty well. So um, I I think Darius Geis is, uh, he's raw, um, but he has uh, uncanny ability. Um, And we saw that uh, a couple of years ago when he filled in for Leonard Fournette and just absolutely destroyed uh, the LSU record books as far as running in one game is concerned. So, he definitely has that kind of talent um, I'm gonna round out I'm gonna try to do I'm gonna go top 32 here just because there's 32 picks in the draft so we're gonna do that um, we're gonna do that and then I'm gonna get out of here because I've been talking for long enough and you know I could I I, I have my board listed up to a hundred uh, up to a hundred different players so um, we're gonna you know so we're going to get to we're going to get to a lot of guys during during this draft process we have uh, we have stuff on almost every, everybody but um you know we're going to see how that plays out all right um, the next one is, is the next one 21 on my list is, is another guy you might miss because Uh, you know, Western Michigan does not get shown a lot on TV, but uh, Chakuma Okafor um, uh, is an offensive tackle for Western Michigan, another big guy, you know, but he's not not only just a big guy, he can move. You're going to see at the combine, this guy can move. And, And he can do a lot. He can, you know, he can handle that path, that edge pass rusher so that's the important part of being a tackle is being able to being big enough to be able to handle the run running responsibility but being mobile enough to be able to handle a uh big time um, a big time pass rusher all right 22. I got Ronald Jones, running back from USC. You know, um, again, a, a, another great, run, another dual threat running back. He can, he, he, he can, he can do it all. These guys, just, these running backs, just have to learn how to pass block, and they'll be okay in the NFL. That's what a lot of the guys have to do to get on the field is learn to pass block. Um, but Ronald Jones running the football is a very very good, uh, very good player at that. All right, uh, twenty-three. I already talked about Mason Rudolph, but I got him on the list. Another big arm quarterback. Again, I love the decision making, and that's why I put him up that high. Um, Twenty-four. I got I got Harold Landry of Boston College. This is a guy, a hybrid guy. A lot of people love him because of the hybrid nature. Um, he could move up the draft board a lot as I start studying. He's definitely a guy I'm looking forward to uh, watching some film on and watching the process because he's definitely a big guy. Um, next one, I'm going Brian O'Neill, offensive tackle from Pitt. Another big guy, big offensive lineman, but again, it's not big. It's can they move? Can they? Can they handle those big pass rushers and? Watch the miami tape of of this guy he he handled the miami the miami offensive line uh defensive line pretty well so that that's the guy that's where I would go with him um again a down year for Florida state but if you watch this if you watch derek not Derek Notty's career as a defensive tackle he's a he, you know he's a that new kind of, uh, mobile defensive tackle that guys are looking for, so, um, all right, next, next guy on my list is, actually, a true outside linebacker, can rush the passer a little bit, but he's more of a true, true outside guy, uh, you might be able to move him inside a little bit, but, I, w- I would say he's strictly an outside linebacker, and that, that's Sam Hubbard from Ohio State. Um, uh, and I, then I got another Ohio State guy, uh, Jamarco Jones right behind him. Again, another offensive tackle. I, I, I like the offensive line prospects in this. In the middle part of the draft, that's where I think you can get a lot of talent in this draft is on the offensive line. In the second, you know, in the late first and you know second and third rounds, I think there's a lot, a lot of linemen that could go there, um, that you could, that
1: that can make a difference
0: for your team. Um, all right, number number twenty nine. I got Micah Kaiser, uh, an, an a true inside linebacker from uh, Virginia. Right below him, I got Rashawn Evans, another inside linebacker, but this. Alabama Uh, again this is this guy was a leader for an Alabama defense full of guys who were worthy of that of that kind of that caliber so um, definitely he's definitely got the mindset and the presence to be a a big-time player and number 32 I got another corner uh, Denzel Ward from Ohio State a lot of Ohio State defense defensive guys in here. Um, you know, this is a guy. He's got speed to cover, and he, he's big enough to play again the cor- that corner position. Uh, he's kind of more that nickel guy. He can play either one. So, uh, and last, I'll give you a 32. You don't hear this team brought up often, but he might be. He, he might be able to sneak into the first round. And and that that's, that's Dorrance Armstrong, another true outside linebacker from Kansas. But, again, very, you know, Kansas, not a very good program. So you're going to have to, um, you know, study up on this guy. You're not going to get a lot of film on him. But I think he's a guy that can blow people away at the combine. He's a very athletic outside linebacker. And that's where he'll make his money is at the uh, is at the combine um, showing off his athleticism. So that's our top thirty-two. All right, all right, guys. Next Wednesday, um, our show usually airs on Wednesdays. Um, unfortunately, I have to work Wednesday night, so. We may switch it up to Friday or possibly third, you know we might do Thursday. We might do a Thursday lead in to uh, to talk therapy next week. I have to um, I have to see what uh, see what schedule works out better. but I have to work next Wednesday night. Um, I've got to talk to walrus and see what his schedule's like it might be just me again um doing some draft breakdown again we're going to try to we're definitely going to do the cleveland browns um we'll probably end up talking about the giants since they have the second pick um we're probably going to do do two teams i i don't know i have to see how many um like i said i have to see how many we have but you can see i've got all this stuff on on these these guys I want more uh, draft analysis for you going forward and we're going to talk about a lot of different things in the offseason so it's not just going to be NFL draft we're going to talk about um, you know we're, we're going to break down we're, we're going to come up with different segments each week that I think people will want to hear um, you know We'll discuss a lot of a lot of football topics. Give you a lot of football knowledge inside inside. Uh, I don't want to say this. I mean, usually usually they say like um, you know inside information. It's going to be a lot of between the lines stuff. You know why people uh, call things certain certain things. What what it what a spread offense means compared to a traditional offense. We're gonna go through a lot of that stuff, and if you have anything that you you want to know that you want to know about football, if you're not a football fan, if you know you know, if you know somebody in your family who's not a football fan, maybe your girlfriend, your wife, um, you know your kids want to know you know you want to teach them a little bit more about the game. Um, uh, um definitely. Send send me send me questions. You uh, know, I'll have the I'll have the fit down um, Facebook page up up and running soon. I know I say that a lot, but I will have it running up and running soon. Um, when when you get that, you know, when I get that going, you can drop us questions there. Things you want to know. Things maybe you want. You know, like I said, you want someone else to know. So that they can listen to the show and be and and then next year when they're watching football, they'll be a little bit more educated uh, and, and not having to ask you all the time. Why is this guy doing this? Why is this guy doing that? They'll just you know they'll know, and that's that's the way we're gonna run this show. Is it off season is gonna be draft and uh, frequently asked football questions. And obviously, anything that comes up in the news as far as signings and, um, you know, uh, coaching decisions and th- and things of that nature uh, will give you that kind of stuff. But uh, I hope you enjoyed this show. We, we talked a lot about the Super Bowl. You know, we talked a lot about the aftermath of the Super Bowl, what it means for both teams. And... And then we got into some NFL draft prospects. So I hope you guys learned something from me talking this whole time. And hopefully the Walrus will be back with us next week. And it'll be either Thursday or Friday. One of those one of those days we will uh, we'll have we'll have another edition of Sit Down Football Show for you. Um, till then, hope you guys enjoy enjoy the week. And we'll see you back here. Uh, We'll see you back here next time. And then two weeks, you know, we'll be back on Wednesday night. So thanks for listening, guys. Uh, Again, we got KJC Radio. We got talk therapy going on tomorrow night at midnight. Definitely tune in for that show. You're going to – look, guys, you got two of the hottest women on the planet talking directly to you. For an hour and a half. I mean, what's better than that, right there? Tune in just for that. Then, and then you throw on top of it, you know, they'll help. They they do a lot of help with relationship issues and with, you know, um, how to how to how to spice up your your relationship. So definitely give them a listen tomorrow at midnight, and next Tuesday, uh, stay out of your crease. Stay out of my crease with Kim and Jimmy Hockey Show. Love, love their insights to hockey. They, uh, like I've always said, always said, Kim is the voice of hockey. Jimmy is the brains of hockey. So if you want to know anything hockey related, listen to their show, get involved, and, uh, you know, just get involved with all the shows on the network. We're we're giving them that. All our shows are for you guys. They're not for they're not for us. We enjoy doing them, but we do them to give you guys more. Um, to give you guys a voice. So uh, we always we always our network philosophy is you know for the fans and by the fans. So you guys you guys have more of a voice than you think. You want to talk about something, call the show and start talking, and it'll spark something. But on that note, I will see you all next week. um, And have a good one, guys. I am a real American. I